his word. Thank God for his presence, oh Lord. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. You turn with me to the word of the Lord of the book of John. Chapter 1. And good morning, everybody. We um, excited about revival tonight. Expecting more people to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. More people to repent, be baptized. Everybody shout, the harvest is now. And we want to respond that way. Yesterday, there was a, a lady that received the baptism of the Holy Ghost during outreach. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that great? Hallelujah. I, um, John chapter 1, starting with verse 43, I want to say that on the 26th, uh, we will be having, or is it the 27th? 27th, we'll be having trunk or treat. We, we've done that many years ago, and, and, uh, and the goal of that is to let our community come to our church property. It's not so much for our kids. We already have a fall party. But it's so people can come to the church. It functions as a bridge to the church. It's an outreach effort. We've learned over the years and we've done different events over the years that sometimes just that first step of getting somebody on the property. We grew one time from 240 to 320 people because we started outreach efforts, bringing people here, and then they end up coming to church and we give their life to God. And so we're not celebrating Halloween by any measure, but uh, in the sense of fall and, and having some fun, and we don't want our kids dressing up in any death, zombie, witches, characters uh, of any nature, but... Uh, probably will be some that come from the community like that and uh, you know we just we're going to celebrate life here and uh, and so something fun and you be something fun and um, but you know I'm encouraging you to be involved and I realize some might have convictions that says well uh, I'm not going to be a part of that please don't be divisive in your comments though because you know our intentions aren't to celebrate Halloween. Although in its original form, original date, isn't it interesting that Halloween was to celebrate the uh, saints that have passed away day. That's where it originated. was a hallowed day for celebrating the saints that had passed on. Of course, it turned into death and spooky and Spirits and devil always has a way of changing things. So, but um, if you would, I'm expecting a good turnout and to introduce kids to the church, and from there we want to introduce them to Jesus Christ. Can you say Amen? And uh, have our neighbor that's with us today showed up yesterday. A neighbor that's been coming to church showed up yesterday with his Bible in his hand. Got him a Bible. And uh, he asked me earlier, he said, can I sit on a platform with you tonight? 
So if you don't mind, Finn's little buddy's going to sit on the platform with me tonight. Is that okay? Is that all right? You never know what God's going to do with a child's life and an adult's life. Something got a hold of me one day. It really did. And I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt there's a God and he loves me. Aren't you glad to know that the Lord loves you? He knows where you're at. John chapter 1, verse 43. It says, The day following Jesus, the day following Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was a Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. We have found him. The one that the prophets spoke about, Moses spoke of, all the way down. We found him. Somebody shout, we found him. You'll find that's what was said ahead of this. Andrew went and told Simon Peter, I found the Messiah, the Christ. Amen. And so he tells Nathanael, and Nathanael said unto him, From Nazareth can, what did he say? Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. I'm going to come, I'm going to show you. Just wait till you see him. Isn't that the way our Christianity should be? You've got to come and see a man, you've got to come and see a God. You got to come and see him. I'm just glad you see him. I'm just glad you can know that he's here. Amen. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, and the Israelite indeed. Come here, Brother Nehemiah. Start walking toward me. Jesus said to him, He said, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, He'd never seen the Lord. Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee when thou wast, when thou was under the fig tree, I saw thee. Before you saw me, he said, I saw you. How many know he saw you before you ever saw him? He didn't even believe in him yet. He had never seen him. Only thing is that Philip had said, come and see the Messiah. Come and see the Christ. What Moses spoke about, what Isaiah, all down to the prophets. And the Lord said, I saw you already. I'd like to preach to you today on this subject. He saw me. Would you lift your hands and ask God to speak to you today? Would you do that? God, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. <coughs> we love you today. We magnify you, God. We worship you, Lord. Thank you, God, that your eyes are on us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everybody said amen. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Let's give God a high praise today for his goodness. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, God. You may be seated. Amen. Everybody say, he saw me. I want you to understand today that 
When you walk in this building today, or the first time that you walked into this building, it's not the first time that God saw his eyes, put his eyes on you. When you came and repented of your sins, for the Bible says to repent, everyone should repent. Jesus said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. It wasn't when you walked through the door of a church that God put his eyes on you and he never paid you no attention until you came to the house of God. That's not what happened. I mean, no, he saw you out there when you were in the bar stool. He saw you out there when you were living in sin and not acknowledging him and having your own opinion of God and maybe an atheistic view. He understood you and he saw you. The Bible says, while we were yet in our sin. How I many know oh, he died for the ungodly? And that's right. And when he looked at Nathaniel, who was a righteous man, who was a uh, Israelite, not just Israelite, but an Israelite indeed, when he saw him, he looked at him and Nathaniel was introduced by Philip to Jesus before Nathaniel could ever say a word, before Philip could ever say, this, this is him. Jesus saw him and said, hey, Nathaniel. He said, you're an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. He told him what was in his heart. And Nathaniel said, I don't know you. How do you know me? When did you ever see me? He said, when you were under the fig tree, when Philip came to talk to you, he said, I saw you then. I want you to know today, Brother Gene, that when you was out in the crock house, God had his eye on you. He really did. There was prayers from your parents that were covering you in those moments. And it wasn't when you came down here on February the 8th, 2004 and repented of your sins that God said, oh, oh, who's this guy down here repenting? Who's this guy trying to turn his life around? He didn't come to Brother Ferris, the former pastor, and say, hey, Brother Ferris, who's the guy down there repenting today? And, and the Fer Brother Ferris had to look up and say, oh, this is Gene Tehi. He They used to call him Stay High. No, 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 no. God didn't have to be introduced to you. He already knows who you are. He knows every detail of your life. I mean, know that he knew about you before you ever came out of the womb, Jeremiah 1 and 5. He knew you before you ever chose to walk a life that was in, 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 a life that was opposing to his word and his why and his ways. He already knew who you were. And aren't you glad that though he knew you, he had a great plan for you. He had a plan for your life. Oh, clap your hands and shout hallelujah. He saw me. Somebody shout, he saw me. There's a song that was written by Merle Ewing. A song called, He Saw Me. He penned the song, the lyrics that go something like this. On the balcony of space stepped a pure and holy God. And in awesome solitude, he stood alone. Not one faint star to give him light. Just endless rolling, blackest night. But somehow, through all the darkness, he could see. He saw mountains high and lofty. He saw valleys lush and green. He saw babbling brooks, wild flowers grow, even heard a robin sing. But he felt a strange compassion, 
as close to love as pain can be. Standing thou out there in his tomorrows. Aren't you glad before creation he saw me? He saw me in his likeness. He saw me just like him. Pure, clean, and holy. Spotless, white within. He saw me bound in heavy chains and longed to set me free. But he knew if I can become like him, he must become like me. I come to tell you that in the darkness of pre-creation, he could see us where we are. Somehow through the eyes of God, while he was on the cross, the song says, we were on his mind. He saw us when we were dirty. He saw us when we were blind. He saw us when we were not like him. He saw us when we were ungodly in all of our ways. And I come to tell you that he stepped off of the throne of glory. He wrapped himself in flesh and he came down to this earth to walk among men. He was known as Emmanuel being interpreted as what? God with us. Not a God that just sat him up on the throne, but a God that wrapped himself in flesh was born of a virgin womb. Her name was Mary. Oh yeah, he had to grow up like everybody else, but he grew up spotless. He grew up perfect. You imagine being Jesus' brother? You imagine every time that, that you, you back talked your mom, oh, I wish you'd act like him. How I many know what I'm talking about? Well, no wonder they didn't like him. How I many know Jesus' brethren didn't even believe on him? Probably because they got compared to him all, of his, all their life. Jesus is perfect. Perfect Jesus. Yeah, he was perfect. But you know what he was doing? He was saying no to the devil. He was saying no to the things of this world. He was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. You know what he was doing? He was teaching us. He was walking among men. He was taking on the pressures of the world and conquering it one temptation at a time, one day at a time, one moment at a time. How many knew that? He conquered every temptation. What he was doing was saying, I am going to be your leader. I'm going to walk with you and among you. Why? To teach us how to live a better life. And I've come to preach on a Sunday morning. He's not going to leave you the way that he finds you. He's going to pick you up. He's going to turn you around. And he's going to give you the grace to do what he expects us to do. Somebody say amen. Simon Peter was a rugged fisherman. Oh yeah. Matthew was a publican. Really, he was a thief in the way he would treat the people. But Jesus came to where he was. And that's what I'm preaching to you today. God is somewhere in the vast darkness of the universe sitting up on a throne, looking down with a judgmental finger, cursing us, hurting us, wounding us, angry at us. That's a false view of who he is. I'm going to show you where he is. He's right down here in this building right now. He comes to where you are. He's not waiting on you to come to him. He has come to visit you right where you are. Amen. Somebody shout, he's a with me. Somebody shout, he's a with us. He comes to where you are. When you were broken, he was there. When you were at the wrong places, he was there. He just waiting one day for you to recognize that he's not against you, but he's for you. 
Oh, clap your hands and shout hallelujah. Oh, I think if God's ever done anything for you, you ought to jump on your feet and clap your hands and thank him for his goodness, for his mercy, and for his grace. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. Only 17 times do you find the word religion, I believe, in the New Testament. Only twice is it spoken of in a good connotation. Religion. Religion can be so... So self-righteous can be so traditional and routine. Matter of fact, the religious people are the ones that gave Jesus problems. How many know that? God manifest in flesh three feet from them and they couldn't recognize him, though they talked about God everywhere. A few of them saw him. Nicodemus being one of them. A ruler of the Pharisees ruler of the Pharisees came to Jesus by night and said, we know that thou art a teacher come from God for no man can do these miracles that thou do except God be what? With him. There's something about you that's different. Why did he come at night? Because the religious people would have rejected him. I'm not today inviting you to another religion. There's religions all over the world and you can name a hundred of them and then get into the religion and have a thousand different divisions of that religion because of disagreements. I'm not here today inviting you to a religion because religion never saved anybody. He never intended really for you to join a congregation per se as a just a member of, of a religion. Never, never intended for the preacher just to build a, a local congregation and to just... This is just who we are and what we do and a membership book. It was never intended to be that way. He said, you're the bride of Christ. He said things like this, our Father which art in heaven. Everything that God intended for us was to be in relationship with him. Amen. I'm just, I'm just the middleman. It's not about me. I could die tomorrow. I'm temporary. Amen. It's not about the person that introduced you to Christ. Bible says that which is seen is temporal, but that which is not seen is eternal. It's amazing that all of you people, hundreds of people that gather every Sunday to come and worship somebody that you've never even seen. But you know beyond the shadow of a doubt is Simon Peter, who later wrote in the book of in, in, in 1 Peter, he said, We see him who is invisible. Somebody said, how can you worship a God that you've never seen? I'll tell you how. Same reason we believe in wind that we've never seen. Have you ever seen the wind? Oh, nobody's ever seen the wind. No one has ever seen the wind. But we know the wind is real. Why? Because we can feel it. We feel the wind. I mean, no, we can hear the wind. And when the wind's blowing, you'll see the effects of the wind, especially in the leaves this time of year. We've never seen God, but we know he's real because we felt him, we've heard him, and we've seen him operate. That's why we praise him. When the cancer's gone, the diabetes is healed, the drug addiction leaves, the sinner is washed clean, we know he's a real. Oh, if you know he's real, clap your hands and say amen. Hallelujah. He can be seated. He saw me. We were at my uncle's funeral. 
My Uncle Matthew and my dad's family, they're 12 siblings. It's my dad's oldest brother. He's the oldest sibling, the first of 12. He died. I'm thankful he come to the Lord, amen, before he passed away. Just a miracle. Lived a, lived a, a, a sinful life, just a, a terrible life, really. I mean, the things he did, the life he lived was so ungodly. Uh, most of the times I would see my uncle, he was intoxicated and, and uh, mean and... and uh, there were moments in his older age he got softer. And, but man, through the much prayers of the saints, he ended up coming to the Lord. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget being at the funeral. And, and over the years, there are things that happened in the family. There was, there was some division. There was some, some, some tension and contention. How many know that happens? The Bible says that only by pride cometh contention. If there's contention... Pride is always the source. Only by pride come a contention. And in the family, there were people in the church and out of the church, and there was hurts over the years. And I'll never forget being at the, and I, and I was so privileged to preach my uncle's funeral. And I'll never forget during that service, my cousin Jessica got up and sang. She began to sing, In the presence of Jehovah, God Almighty, Prince of Peace, Troubles vanish, hearts are mended in the presence. How many's heard the song? When she sang that, here he came. He walked right in that room with us, his spirit. And when he did, it pushed all the bereavement out of the room. When he did, it pushed all of the division out of the house. When he did, it brought people together that hadn't talked in years. You know why? Because there's just something about his presence. It pushes away temporal opposition. Come on, it pushes out things that should not be there. We need him in our marriage. We need him in our parenting. Come on, we need him on the job. We need him in every way. We need him. Somebody shout, we need him. It's amazing when you find the presence of Jesus even, even when he's before Herod. When he's before Herod, you read it. The Bible says that when Jesus came before Herod, even Herod and was it his brother that had been separated, linked back together again over years of opposition because just something happens when he gets with us. Boy, am I preaching to anybody. Come on, the devil does everything he can to divide. He's an accuser of the brethren. He tries to separate families and separate people and separate things. Oh, my God. But if we could just get him in this country, it would bring people together. How many believe that? We've got to get Jesus. Come on, do you still believe that what the devil's been trying to separate God can bring together? Somebody shout, we need him. It's amazing what happens when somebody allows God into their life. He sees them. He comes near them. Faith happens when somebody starts witnessing to them. It's like Nathaniel. Nathaniel, you know the scripture? You know the prophets of Moses talking about the Messiah? You know what it says? I found him. He's the son of Joseph from, Naz from Nazareth. <laughs> Nazareth. Nazareth. Somebody shout Nazareth. Nobody thought he had ever come out of Nazareth. I preached it two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Told you that when the Pharisees 
Jesus is in the temple and they're, they're, they're saying it was the Christ that healed the blind man. They're saying, he's supposed to come out of Galilee. And you say that it comes from Nazareth. See, God never comes in the way you think he's gonna come. See, that's why people wait and wait. They say, you know what, I, I've gotta get myself in a good place before I give my heart to the Lord. I, I, got, I, gotta, I gotta get myself right. I, I've got to take care of some business and then I'm going to give myself to God. And when I get things worked out, when I, when I, I get some bad deeds and things I've fixed and I get some debts taken care of and, and I get over this addiction and I, when I get good, I'm going to give my life to God. It'll never happen. You need to quit waiting on Galilee and let him come to your Nazareth. He shows up at the place nobody would have ever thought he would have showed up. He comes to where you are. That's the God I serve. He's not waiting on you to get it all together. He's right there. I'm going to tell you what we're going to see. They're going to come in this room intoxicated. They're going to come in here with heroin in their veins, with opiates in their blood. They're going to come in here with dope in their system. They really are. They're going to come to the parking lot and our, we got a great usher staff and security that's going to help us but when they come in they're going to be stumbling they might even make a little noise and draw a little attention let's not be judgmental when they come in they're going to walk in this church living in Nazareth we're not going to wait on them to get to Galilee we're going to believe God's going to sober them up amen somewhere during a move of God because he comes to where we are Somebody shout, he's God with us. Aren't you glad he saw you in your drunken state? Aren't you glad that he saw you when you were lying and cheating, trying to get ahead? Aren't you glad he looked beyond your faults? He looked beyond your man. I'm preaching to somebody here right now. Aren't you glad he came to where you are? I wish there was somebody that he brought out of Nazareth to jump to your feet and say, I used to be in Nazareth, but he brought me to Galilee. He brought me to Galilee. Amen, amen, amen. There was a, David was a type of, sort of a type of Christ. You may be seated. You can compare a lot of things with David. David wasn't perfect, of course, because there's no, none good, no, not one. But there's a lot of parallels with David. David had made a commitment to the former king's son, Jonathan. They were blood brothers. They were so close that he said, if something happens to me, take care of my family. If something happens to you, I'll take care of yours. Of course, Jonathan was killed in war. David's closest friend. David is king. And David remembers his commitment to Jonathan. And he said, I want you to go find and check and see where Jonathan's family was. Jonathan's family. Is there a table out there? Well, you lost minister. Is there a table in the foyer? Go, go carry a table in here for me. I think there's one in the foyer. They're going to get a table and bring it in. And watch what happens. Is that he says, is there any of Jonathan's lineage? Haven't seen Jonathan's kids in a long time. And let's find out where they are. And so David the king goes searching for Saul's fallen family, if you will. Saul backslid. Saul wasn't right. Anointing stripped away from him. Didn't do right. And so they sent out a search party. And they found that Mephibosheth, which was Jonathan's son, was living in a place. Are y'all with me? 
called Lodabar. Everybody shout Lodabar. Oh, can any good thing come out of Lodabar? Lodabar is the most poverty-stricken area of the kingdom. And what happened was is that his nanny, if you will, his caretaker, when David became king, feared for Saul's family's life was afraid that David was going to come. The new king was going to come and kill anything in lineage to the throne. And so she takes off running with this baby. And when she does, she trips and the baby falls and breaks something, whether in his back, something paralyzed him. And she raised him. So glad you're home. She raised him in a town where no one ever thought a king's family member would be found. <laughs> Are you here when I'm preaching? Just, just, set, just set it right here in the middle, right in front of the pulpit, if you will, about four or five feet this way. Now listen, she thought, I'll hide him from the king because the king will try to kill anything that's not, that's from the, the lineage of the former king. The problem with the nanny is she doesn't know who the king is. She's got assumptions about the king that are so wrong. He's not out to kill him. He's out to heal him. And there's a difference between how you view the king and who the king really is. And this concept is while you were in sin, he wants to kill me. Let me tell you something. If God wanted to kill you, he'd already killed you. And if the devil could have killed you, he'd already done that too. We got assumptions about God, Brother Buster, and you had those assumptions at one time. He's against me. I, I, I don't think I could ever give this up. Live the life with alcohol for many, many years. And, and, but God reached in. The moment you realized, it's not. He's not against me. Am I telling the truth? I was with you. I was with you in the garage that day when you called me on a Sunday night and you said, I'm ready. I drove down to your house and went in that little garage. And there was alcohol in that room and went in there. But there was something else in that room. It wasn't just the alcohol that was in the room and, and, and the bucket that was there beside you. And you was playing gospel music in a room that had alcohol in it. Alcohol was in your system. Yeah. The devil thought he had you. And you thought you weren't good enough. But somewhere in the song that you were listening to, you text me in a stupor and said, I'm ready. Faith came upon him in Lodabar. It wasn't an altar service. It was a little garage. Amazing, the floor was dry except where you were. You said, Pastor, it feels like rain's coming over. Literally, where he was sitting in the chair, there was wet, almost as if the dew of heaven had come on him. And stand up. I reached up. I said, repent. Tears are already flowing. God was right. God didn't show up when I got there. I met the Lord. He was already there. To think. It's almost like the Pharisees would have said, Pharisees would have said, does he know? Who's touching him? That's the woman. That's an adulterous woman. 
why would he let her touch him and wash his feet? Does he not know? He knows. He knows. He didn't see her when she came down with the alabaster box of oil, poured it over his head and washed his feet with her tears. He knew where she was yesterday and she wasn't under a fig tree. He knew where she was. When I got there, when I walked in, he was already there. Let me just say this. That was at his house. It was a prison without walls. But I've been in jail many times with people ministering and the Lord was already there. We got to get this mindset of Galilee experiences and start realizing he's a God in Nazareth. He's a God in Nazareth. Come on, do you believe that? Come on. I may believe God can bring him to Galilee, but it's going to start in Nazareth. He's not waiting on you to get saved. He's coming to where you are. Buster, Brother Gladman, what a powerful anointing on your life. We always pictured it happen on a Sunday night in the altar. But it didn't happen on a Sunday night in the altar. It happened in a little garage beside your house. Tammy, you'll never forget that moment. Prayed for him for years. Mama prayed for him for years. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Something powerful happened. I laid hands on you, begin to repent, and I watched him begin to speak in the heavenly languages. God baptized him with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen, amen. He was on his knees weeping and wailing and crying. You know why? Because God came to his Nazareth. God showed up at his Lodabar. And he's been with you the whole time. Today I walked up beside him during praise and worship. And I said, oh, Brother Buster, how you doing? Oh, what I responded. You know why? Because he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Some of you need to just realize he's not the God of Galilee only. He's the God of Nazareth. He's right where you are. And the moment you wake up and realize he's not waiting on you to get in Galilee, he'll come to your Nazareth. Do you believe that? There's a powerful ministry up on him and his past has no future. Thank you. David. David. Hey, king, guess what? What? We found Jonathan's family. We did. Oh, really? Where, where are they at? I haven't seen them in a long time. Where are they at? You're not going to believe if I tell you. The prince, Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth. They're in Lodabar. What? They're in, they're in Lodabar. Lodabar? How did the king's family from the palace of Jerusalem ever end up in Lodabar? Because that's what sin does. Sin takes you from the glorious of righteousness and puts you in the lowness of bondage. You young people, listen to me. Fornication should be named among you one time. It'll get a hold of your heart. You better think twice before you click on that tempting website. It'll take you from the glorious joys of life to chains of bondage of Lodabar. It'll take you from the riches of his grace and put you in the lowness of depression and sadness. And 
It's the truth. Saul made a decision that affected Jonathan, that, that, that affected his grandkids. That's the truth of the matter. I mean, oh, well, sin will take you down. It's not a respecter of persons, just like cancer's not a respecter of persons. The flu's not a respecter of persons. It'll take you down. It'll take you down. And David's trying to find out what happened to this Jonathan's boy. I know the problems have been in the family. Where It's in Lodabar. Come here, Brother Cody. Well, here's what I want you. I want you to go to Lodabar, and I want you to go get Mephibosheth and bring him to me. When they find Mephibosheth, he's crippled. He was dropped because of fear. Man, I'm in the Holy Ghost right now, and you know I am. Fear is never of God. Fear is not of the Lord. I'm not talking about the fear of God. I'm talking about fear of life. It, it matters where you are. It matters what you do. It matters where you live. I'll say this congregation, don't ever get up and, and leave and take a job in another town if you don't know there's a good church there. It matters where you are. I told somebody the other day, just hang out in Lodabar a minute. It's our problem sometimes. We ain't never been to Lodabar. Some people raised in the church. Can't imagine anything good come out of Lodabar. I imagine the Pharisees didn't even ever take a trip to Nazareth. Because it's too good for Nazareth. Hang out right there. Third generation apostolic. Stay in Lodabar a minute. Look around Lodabar. All those people don't know King has something better for them. I'm going to jump back to a point here. Be careful to make a move in a bad moment. Look what happened when Naomi and her husband and her boys moved to Moab. It's a bad decision because famine was in the land. They should have stayed put because the people that stayed got blessed. How many know what I'm talking about? Everybody shout, don't move in a low moment. Man, I feel this right now. Some of you are living in Lodabar because of decisions, but God has sent me to tell you he sees you in Lodabar. He knows where you're at in Nazareth, but he's going to come today and he's going to bring you out and he's going to heal you of those things in your life. Come on, if that's you, I want you to just raise your hand. If there's somebody here today who says, I need a touch of God. Come on, that's it. Come on, reach out to the Lord. I, I don't want to miss your will. I don't want to miss your will. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. They go to load a bar, and here he is. He's not walking, he's crippled. They will, Mephibosheth. Come on, Mephibosheth. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. Mephibosheth. Hey, it's Uncle David. You're not going to kill me, are you? No. What in the world? I was told that you were against us. Read it. Read it. There was this concept of Mephibosheth that the king was against him. That's false doctrine. That's a lie from the devil. That's not God. How many know that? Our theme this year is reach. He's reaching for you. I believe he's reaching for this community. Come on, I believe in the next three weeks we're going to see drug addicts set free. Amen. 
Where's, where's Timothy? Where's Timothy Johnson? Come here. My, my, my. I'm not bringing up his past. I'm just talking about the guy that the Lord came to. 20 years was a drug dealer in this community. 20 years. He lived in Lodabar, didn't you? Yes, sir. 22 people lived in this house. Started selling drugs at age 12 to feed his little brother. Because somebody said, if you sell this, you can get this. And he started buying his brother some sandwiches. Didn't know that would turn over to a lifetime. He didn't know he had purpose. Just became about money. Made a lot of money. Doing wrong. Timothy, I remember when you stood, stood right here. I can picture it just from the eye. You remember that? Had his hands lifted. He repented just like this. And God changed his life. Lodabar. Lodabar miracles. Lodabar miracles. Yesterday he was on outreach. A couple weeks ago, baptized his son in Jesus' name. Aren't you glad that God can take you out of Lodabar? Amen. Come here, Brother Timothy. Stay with Pastor. Sit right, sit right there. And they bring Mephibosheth to the king. Here's what I want you to do. At the king's table, I want you to make a place for him. Every meal we have, I want him at the king's table. We're going to give his land back. We're going to give all these things to him. He's going to live as if Saul never did wrong. That is the king's commandment. What would you do if you could live as if you never did wrong? Watch the power of the king. and He wills, he brings him in. This is the king's table. Would have had a cloth over the table. They will him. Put your legs down for a minute if you can. Can you do that a little bit? And they roll him under the table. And when he sits at the table, he looks no different than anybody else at the table. Because when the king brings you from a load of bar, he's going to treat you as if you never failed. You were never dropped. There was never sin. Come on, that's the Christ I serve. He saw you. Bring me one of those chairs right there, Brother William. He doesn't have a past. He had a past. He said, that's the king's table. Bring me one of those big chairs. Just bring one on the corner here. Yeah, on this side would be easier. Both of you lift it so I don't get in trouble. Don't fall and don't fall down in Lodabar here either. 
Come here, Elder Mealy. Sit there right there. Our senior elder, a righteous man, no guile in him. They sit at the same table. In eight years of living for God, eight years now, I think. Eight and a half, it'll be nine. It'll be next, wow. Brother Melick, he gets to sit at the same table as you. And you've been here since Noah got off the ark, amen. <laughs> Nobody. Nobody judges you at the king's table. He saw me. What would you do if you knew the king was not only for you, but he's going to walk with you? This, and I feel the Lord, let's stand. I'm done. If you're ready to come to the king's table, won't you come on? Come on. If you're ready to come to the king's table, you've got something you need God to do. Forgiveness, come on, that's it. Make your way. There's a call of repentance so strong. But I'm at Nazareth. It's okay. That's where they raised him. He was born in Bethlehem, but they raised him in Nazareth. They raised him among the people they never thought he'd come out of. That's it. Make your way. Come on. You feel like you're in Lodabar. You feel like you're in Nazareth. The king has sent a commission today. Come to where you are. He loves you, but you know that, don't you? Come on. You're broken. Maybe you're divorced. You committed sins that you're ashamed of, and you wonder how God could ever forgive. You feel crippled. He's going to put you under the table that hides the past. He's going to give you greatness for your future. That's it. Come on, let's pray. Pastor, well, I'm in Galilee. Let's pray for some people in Nazareth and Lodabar right now. We're going to change this city one soul at a time. And they're going to reach one soul at a time. We're going to do it again until we reach thousands in our community. Come on, that's it. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. And oh.